Good to see you all today. So, um, again, my name is Rob Olson. I'm, I get the opportunity to, to share with you all this morning. Um, Anthony just wanted me to um, let you know that, that, yeah, he's still under the weather a little bit as it relates to his ear. So be praying for him. He's hoping that um, everything is going to work out so that he can be back here next week. But certainly keep, keep him in your prayers as he continues to, to get well. Uh, and that would be fantastic. Um, it is a joy to be with you, and, and certainly the idea of going to lunch at the kitchen sounds wonderful. I don't know that we're going to be on the, the trip docket this year, but, um, but certainly if that's something that the Lord is putting on your heart, let me encourage you to do that. That's, it, just, it sounds like it's going to be a great trip. Um, so let me pray for us, and then we'll get into this. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Oh, Lord, thank you for the chance to sing praises to you. Thank you for your word and for, Lord, all that you've given us. Lord, I pray that as we open it together, Lord, that anything that's not of you this morning would just uh, would pass by, Lord, and that your truth um, would just sink in and encourage and challenge and move us in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love the church. I really, I, I really love the church. It is God's primary method of exemplifying his love to the world around us. I don't recall what I was listening to, to this week. I, I listen to various podcasts, sometimes to various um, things on the radio. But really, just something popped up this week and just reminded me how much um, I really love the church. Now, when I say the church, yes, I mean the local expression of the church. So for here, that would be Restoration Port Orange. Uh, but more than that, I love the organism that Christ set up that is the church, the big C, his church. And so today's goal, what we're going to do is, is we're going to kind of give you a, a little glimpse. I don't know if you've ever been to a big city. Um, you know, sometimes when you climb skyscrapers like the Empire State Building, on the top of them, they've got these, um, these binoculars that are, you know, stationary up there that you put a quarter or two or who knows how much today it is. Maybe you've got to swipe your credit card nowadays to, to look into those binoculars. But you look into the binoculars and the, you just get a better glimpse. You can like zoom in on different parts of the city. You know, maybe you've been to Chicago up to the, um, the Sears Tower there or somewhere else, but you, you look in those binoculars and you can just, you know, focus in on a little bit of these, of the different parts of the city. Zooming in a little bit. And so today we're going to look into the binoculars a little bit and we're going to zoom in a little bit on this idea of the church. And we, we can't cover everything, obviously. We can't cover all the nitinoid and, and great little details that are there. But we're going to zoom in a little bit and we're going to look at a couple different words that, that I think exemplify what Christ set up when he set up the, the church. So think about different passages maybe of scripture that you can remember maybe hearing about the church or maybe different um, different pictures you have in your mind about the church. And, and again, we're not going to be able to get to them all, but we are going to get to a couple. And the first word we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the word community. Now, when you think of the word community, it could spark some different, even emotional reactions in you. There could be even some negative, some negative connotations associated with that word. You might think back to an experience in you, that, that you experienced a, a hurt, um, Maybe you were ostracized, maybe a feeling of unwelcomeness when you hear that word community. Maybe it's not a word that, 
that brings up any kind of anger, but maybe it's disappointment. Maybe there's a sense of disappointment as, as you think about that word in your own life, that word community, uh, associated with a past experience. You know, I think about, um, I was thinking about this this week of, of, if you remember back in the Old Testament when the nation of Israel was going into the promised land and, and the 12 spies went out and, and, and I can still think of the song in my head, 10 were bad and two were good. And the, they came back and the, the two came back and said, hey, you know, we can do this. God is with us and, and let's go and take the city. And the 10 came back and said, no, wait a minute. It's too much. There's, there's overwhelming odds. We're never going to make it. And you think about then the, the nation of Israel basically spent the next 40 years uh, wandering the desert because everybody listened to those 10 versus the two. And, and I can't imagine the disappointment as, as they're walking around the desert and as they're, they're living in this place thinking, well, wait, we could have been in the promised land. And, and maybe that's your experience with the word community. Maybe there's a sense of disappointment that you think, well, wait a minute, I thought the church was supposed to look like this. Why did I experience this? community. For some of you, the, the, the reaction may even be joy or happiness. There may be an experience that you've had in your life that was just one of, of pure, just like, wow, this is what it's supposed to be. Uh, maybe that's a, a church back in your childhood, or, or you can think back a few years, and, and you had an experience that, and, and maybe it's here, that, that was just like, yes, this is, Lord, what I was looking for. This is the joy of, of what it means to be a part of a community. And you might even be able to close your eyes and see that place and see those people that invested in your life and that, that poured out their lives into yours. And you might say, yeah, those are the people that I remember, <coughs> excuse me, that were a, bar, a part of my community. And what a blessing it is to have those folks in your life. Well, one of the challenging aspects of this word community is, that, is the reality of what I just talked about. And that is we all have different experiences. We all have different um, points of view based on, on what we've experienced or based on how we've experienced it. And we have different expectations that may have impacted our views of community. So as we take this path together this morning, as we, as we understand what is, this, what is this thing called the church, it requires a great deal of sensitivity. Sensitivity to, to people's experiences. So this doesn't mean, though, that you can't sh share in the joy of, of what God has done or, or is doing in your life through community, just recognizing that there might be some folks that you come into contact with that don't have those. In fact, there are folks today that are walking away from the Lord and that are turning their back because, not because necessarily of what they experienced with the Lord, but because of what they experienced with a community. And that it didn't meet the expectations that they had understood or that they believed scripture or that they believed they were, should have experienced. So be joyful, obviously, but be sensitive to the understanding that some folks might not have had those amazing experiences that you've had in your life. But the ultimate reality, and this is the blessing I think of today, is that we get to share in this journey together. We get to now be challenged in thinking of, okay, well, Lord, what is this idea of community, this idea of the church? And we get to do it together. So what is community? Well, many have, have sought to answer that question. There have been whole societies established on, on the idea of, of community and of, of saying, okay, we are going to establish this government as almost a, a commune, or, or we're going to be a, there are religious groups that set up communes and, 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 and have created their own world, basically, 
to try to be community. There have been in groups of people and, and that have, have left everything or, or bonded together and said, well, no, let's have all of our resources together to commune together and to be together. And, and maybe you think, well, is this really what community is about? I was reading an article about a, a community recently uh, uh, that, that the folks left everything and they set up a, basically a commune and, and, and they had certain challenges, obviously, of, of living in this, in this commune. And, and maybe you think, well, maybe that's what we should be doing. We should just be doing that type of thing. Is that what community is about? The reality is this, whatever, you know, as, as we look more specifically at what Scripture talks about, the reality is this, and that people want community. They want that sense of togetherness. They're longing for it. They're looking to be a part of something. And so what they do, sometimes if they don't have a, a, maybe a, a, a church to be a part of, or maybe that's not what they're hoping to be a part of, they look for, they get involved in social issues, or communities, even with common hobbies. I mean, we experience that at least a couple times a year here in this area. You think about bike week. You think about Jeep week. You think about all these different weeks that people come down. And what they've done is they said, this is my hobby. This is what I get excited about. And they join in this community together. And they, they, you know, they make their Jeep look really cool and whatnot. And, and everybody looks at it. And, and they come together around these hobbies. And maybe that's what you think of when, when you think of community. And like some of you, or many of you even, I'm not sure where you are, but I have often, in different parts of my life, longed for community. I've had long stretches in my life, in, in parts of points of my life, where I've felt lonely or isolated. I've even felt sometimes like an outsider. But I've learned something really important. There's a, a gentleman, a, a theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he writes this basically, community is not some ideal situation. And when you think about some of those communities I was talking about, some of those governments or communes, they set up this sense of an idealism that's like, well, let's, this is the ideal, this is what we should be doing, let's come together and do this. And Bonhoeffer says, no, it's not about a goal, it's not about an idealism, Rather, community is something that is real because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not an end state. It's not something to say, I want to I go be and, and I want our communities to look like this. It's something that exists here and now. It's not a someday we're going to have community. No, it's we are community because of the person and work of Christ. Because of Jesus, we are a community. And so our relationship with Christ binds us together and makes us a community. We're our, we are a community because of him. But there are challenges to being a community. There are challenges to living this life together, even with Christ as our center. The first reality is this, and, and that is there's, there's a problem. And the problem is we're a community of broken people. Brokenness manifests itself in different ways. You see, we see brokenness when we experience someone who's prideful. That's me. <laughs> we, see, we see brokenness when see, we see people struggling with addictions. We see brokenness when we see people that are, that are dealing with different components of their life that are challenging. And we see it all over. 
Look at brokenness in Scripture. Look at the disciples as they argued. They argued with Jesus. Who is going to be on his right? Who's going to be on his left? They're arguing with the creator of the universe. And and they're like, well, no, I'm going to sit on this side. and, And you can sit on that. Think about that. Or Judas, who sold Jesus off to be crucified only to experience such guilt and shame that he, he killed himself. You see this throughout Scripture. You see brokenness that impacts community. So many cases. So how about you? How have you been, how has brokenness, how have you seen, excuse me, brokenness in the lives of others? How have you seen it in your life? There are two realities when we deal with brokenness, when we think about community, and that is, first of all, we, are all have, we all have a sense of brokenness. We're all broken. Now, when I say we're all broken, I don't mean to insinuate that, that you know, we're lowly and, and just, oh, woe is me, kind of this, you know, you think about, um, um, you know, Winnie the Pooh, and you think about Eeyore, and Eeyore just kind of, ooh, just living life. That's not what I'm talking about. But we're all broken, From the earliest passages of Genesis, we can see that the root of it is our sin, is sin. Sin led to guilt, guilt to hurt, to pain, eventually to death. And now we have to be careful, and this is what I was kind of talking about, because the temptation here would be to allow pride to sneak in and and even say, maybe maybe not the Eeyore complex, but maybe something else like, well, at least I'm not like them. You know, at least I don't deal with that kind of brokenness, that kind of sin become self-righteous in our assessment of either ourselves or somebody else. And that happened in Scripture too. Again, we see this throughout the pages of, of Scripture where, 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 well, at least I, you know, I don't struggle with that. I'm not like they are. And now when, I talk, when I'm talking about brokenness and sin too, I'm not just talking about your personal life. Brokenness, yes, it it deals with our personal struggles and our personal sin, but it's not simply that, and yet it is that, but sin is complex. Well, why is it complex? Because it surrounds us, and and even as we're faithfully following Christ, sin will impact us. Take someone whom you might see on the street corner of Daytona. You think about driving down uh, Nova Road or, or other parts of Daytona, and think about the person who's sitting there and who's got the street sign or who's, who's begging on the side of the street. Maybe, maybe you're, you're kind of thinking in your mind as you're driving past or you're at the stoplight, and maybe you're thinking kind of, man, just go get a job. Or maybe you're thinking, come on, you know, go make something. Or maybe you're saying, well, well if you only, you know, got off of the whatever you're on, the alcohol, the drugs, whatever, you, you know, you could really pick your life up. And has this person made the best choices? Well, I can't speak for them. I don't know. Probably not. But, but think about what did he or she experience that led, the, that led to this state of their life? How did the challenges of life impact them, or him or her, in such a way that this is now where they live in this state of, of, of needing to beg? Is it an excuse? Well, certainly it's not an excuse, but it's a reminder that this world is broken in sin and the results of it will impact us. So our community, as we talk about our community that is, that is based on the person and the work of Christ, is not some perfect group of people that has everything worked out. Rather, it's full of people that have been redeemed by Jesus and impacted both by personal sin and by the sin that, that affects our society. 
We don't have time to go into detail, but if we looked back, if you've got a Bible, we'll look around at a couple different passages. Um, back in Genesis chapter 37, um, it's, I'm sorry it's not up on the, the overhead, but that's okay. If you've got your phone, you can click there too. Genesis chapter 37, we read of a guy, and his name is Joseph. In Genesis 37, 17, um, so this is the story of Joseph. His brothers are, are with him, and they're saying, uh, They've moved on from here. Let the man answer it. I heard him say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. And then verse 18, they saw him in a distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. His brothers. <laughs> now there's a lot to the previous part of the story, but his brothers now are plotting to kill him. And then verse 21 and 22, Reuben heard this. He tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So Reuben, I guess you could say, is kind of the nice guy. I don't know. He says, let's just beat him up and throw him in the ditch. You know, let's not kill him. Brokenness. Now, again, Joseph's life was not, I mean... He had some, some things going on that, that didn't express a sense of, uh, sensitivity or humility. But here, is, here are his brothers that are basically trying to kill him. He suffered because of his brother's sin. We know that eventually he goes and, and he's sold off into slavery. He would continue to suffer because of other people's sin. Potiphar's wife would falsely accuse him. Can you, can you see just through that, little, that one story how brokenness in our society in general, can impact our lives. What's your story? How have you been impacted? How has your story, your life, been impacted by others? Have you been traumatized by abuse? Have you been hurt because of someone else's poor choice? It hurts. It impacts us. It impacts how we engage others in our community even. Maybe you're thinking, well, if they really knew, if they really knew who I was or, or what happened to me, they wouldn't accept me. I don't know your story. I only know that I've experienced brokenness, and it's painful. But Jesus came to restore there's a story of a man named Zacchaeus in the Bible, and he was a tax collector. And tax collectors back then weren't like necessarily the IRS is now, because what they would do is they would take taxes, and then they'd, say, they'd take a little bit more and say, I'm sorry, but you need to give me a little bit more. And that's basically how they made their wealth. So Zacchaeus was not a popular man. He was a tax collector, a con man. But Jesus encounters him and says, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. I want to fellowship with you today in your home. Now, if Jesus took time to encounter him, don't you think he's willing to meet you in your brokenness and in your pain? As a disciple, as a co-heir with Christ, which is what we're called as followers of Christ, his grace is sufficient, even in your brokenness. There's another man that was, that was impacted by something in his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we read about the apostle Paul. Now, Paul was a pretty significant gentleman in the life of the early church. He, numerous trips in, in sharing the good news of Jesus to lots of different communities. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verse 7 through 10, it says this. It says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's an intriguing passage. Here's the Apostle Paul. Some call him St. Paul. Paul the missionary. Paul the church planter. Paul the author of a significant portion of the New Testament. And Paul had a thorn. Now, I am so grateful. I think we talked about this in our community group just a few weeks ago. And I'm so grateful that the Lord doesn't give us specifics of Paul's thorn because we would immediately start comparing ourselves to him. And we would immediately say, well, at least I don't have that thorn. Or we'd say like, wow, Paul, that's a big thorn, man. You know, we would immediately compare ourselves to him, but we don't have that. Praise the Lord. Um, but we have this, that, that Paul has this thorn. Now, notice he doesn't say that this thorn disqualifies him from ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. Whatever it was, we know that the Lord allowed it to stay, and Paul had to struggle through it. Not only did he struggle through it, but this, this really is a powerful verse when you think about this. I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. What a powerful statement. I will boast in my weaknesses, Paul says. Do you have everything worked out in your life? I don't. Are you willing to engage with other people in this community? Or, or, or are you waiting? Excuse me, that's the word I wanted to say. Are you waiting to engage other, with other people in this community until you have it worked out? Is that day ever going to come? I don't know if you have a thorn or if you've ever had the opportunity to ask the Lord what your thorn might be. But in spite of my thorn, for me personally, God calls me to point to Jesus. He calls us to engage in this community. There's a scripture that says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is a real, broken, sin-ridden world that communicates to the world, as Christians, we still struggle. But in our struggle, we have a relationship with the living God and with others that can comfort us. I remember in the early days of social media, um, I, I had a, a good friend of mine who was involved in, I mean, this is like when Facebook was minimally nothing <laughs> before MySpace and all, all those days. Um, and, and we talked about this idea of online community. And, and, and maybe the internet would be a place that, that would provide connection that people were longing for. Um, can this, you know, kind of wondering, can this be a place to connect with, you know, different professions of connecting? And, and certainly it, it, it has, but I remember wrestling with that and thinking, well, what does that mean for the church? And, and, and what has happened, it seems like, over the years, and we talk about, or this is talked about, I think, all the time, is that, that social media has gone from a place maybe of connecting, of naturally connecting or staying connected to people, to now this place of perfection. You know, and you think about different ways that, that social media shows, you know, this, this way of, of I'm, I'm, everything's perfect in my life. Think about LinkedIn, which maybe has the perfect resume. 
or Twitter, well, all you really need is, you know, hashtag perfect. <laughs> Instagram, do you see my perfect family? It only took 20 pictures to get it. Community is not Facebook Christianity where we put our best foot forward just to put on some show for the world for others to see. It's not an airbrushed life. Being the community of Christ is complex and requires authenticity. The good news is this, and that Christ can redeem our brokenness. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is a, has been a key verse for me in the past few years. Verses 3 through 7 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all our comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that, key phrase, we can comfort those in any troubles with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So that from our troubles, we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Out of his comfort, out of the comfort of, of him in my life, in your life, you can have a new perspective, we can have a new perspective of pain and hurt that others are experiencing. Not some hyper-spirituality that says just get through it. Out of the comfort of you and, and out of being in each other's lives, we can comfort. We, the church, because the reality is this, you hurt, I hurt, our neighbors hurt, our coworkers hurt. Those who, who may have no concept of who God is are still hurting. If everything in your life was perfect, how could you minister to your neighbors? If everything in your life was perfect, was perfect, how could you share it with the, the pain that you've experienced and the people that have walked with you through that pain and the God who was with you, with those people walking with you through that pain? <clears throat> if there aren't challenges or pain, how can you point to Jesus and the church who was with you in those times of challenge? And yes, by the way, Jesus suffered as well those challenges and those pain, which you can read about as you, as you read through the crucifixion account. We are a community of broken people, but we are also called the body of Christ. And so we're going to just spend a couple minutes here because we're running out of time a little bit. But as we transition here to this picture of the body, I want you to see that one person by him or herself cannot be the body of Christ. As the, as the passage we read a few minutes ago, I cannot be the hands, the feet, the mouth, the ears, the, the mind, the whatever, the eyes. I can't be everything. So it's important that when we recognize our brokenness, we don't step back in isolation and in individualism. We connect in our shame, in our guilt, in our pain. We connect with others, the other parts of the body of Christ. Now, there are aspects of the body that are important to consider, and the first of this is love. And we're called to love one another as Christ loved the church. And this differentiates the body of Christ from those other communities I was just talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah, there's a common maybe hobby or a common goal that they're a part of, but the love of Christ is not what unites them together. The love of Christ is, is uniting us together, which is what, again, Bonhoeffer was talking about, is is what people then are going to be longing to join and saying, what is it about this community that you're a part of? 
And this is where it gets difficult because we're still working through the brokenness of this world. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? It means we're constantly in this, this battle of living in the now and then also living in the not yet. We're impacted by our culture and our social norms in the now and yet, and yet we realize that there's the not yet of someday we are going to be with Jesus in eternity and everything is going to be awesome and, and we're going to have new bodies and we're not going to be impacted anymore by the brokenness and sin of the world. But for now, we have sin in our personal lives that we struggle with. We're impacted by the sin of others. And that's what makes the community, the body of Christ, different from anything in the world. John chapter 13 says this in 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the heart, of, I believe, of every other portion of scripture as it deals with being disciples. With being a community to love one another. How? As Christ loved us. There could be a whole, we, I mean we could do a, a, a year-long series on this. We obviously can't get into the, all the details of this. How do we show the love of Christ? How do we show the love of Christ? We serve. We walk with each other through, through pains. We exemplify what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. By the way, if you can do that on your own, Give me a call because I can't. But that's the call as we walk this life together as a community. As God's chosen people, put on love, love one another. When the church was first formed, the disciples were a little bit confused and they were thinking, well, Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom right now, right here? Come on, let's go. And Jesus says, no, it's not. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the place. Rather, go preach, go present, go be my witnesses. Point people to me, Jesus was saying. And then Jesus sent out other people and he sent them out in groups. And, and he says, go out and and." Live amongst these people. He sent them out two by two. So as I initially mentioned, the, form, the formation of this community begins with Jesus. It begins with the calling of, on the lives of the disciples. And this doesn't mean that we're immune from the suffering of the world. It doesn't mean that we're immune from brokenness. But there's something distinct about being part of the body of Christ that is unlike any other man-made organization in the world. It's founded on the work and the person of Jesus. It's founded on his love out of the example he showed us. Philippians chapter 2 talks about the humility that he showed us. We are called to show each other. Love one another as I have loved you. It's easy to love somebody when they're lovable. But what about when they're not? You see, the body of Christ is not simply a gathering place on Sunday morning. 
It's the primary manner in which Christ communicates to the world the work that he has done for us. And so it brings us together. It binds us together. But it's not just come and let's just gather together. Now there's a serving component. Which he talks about in the verse that we, that we read a few minutes ago. Of there's, there's this way that we're wired, we're different, we're spiritually gifted in different ways. God has given you a gift to fulfill and, and a role to fulfill in this, local, in this local church and in the world around us. And if, it's, if, we're, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of the ministry to which God has called us. And we can focus more on, on the product, the accomplishment, maybe the task, instead of on the ministry, on, on the amazing reality that God uses us to fulfill his purposes, which he outlined for us. In the great commandment, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself, and the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. So when you picture the body, you can picture the fact that when a body is whole, it takes every part of the body to function. I worked in a pretty unique hospital for four years, and we had men and women who were um, getting rehabilitation in that hospital because they had, lost, they had lost limbs. They had been burned traumatically. They had experienced internal trauma, emotional trauma. And I learned over the years that the body is so interdependent on other parts to work. When there's emotional trauma, it impacts the physical body. When there's a physical burn, the body gets so focused on healing the burns that some of the internal systems can shut down. It is so interdependent upon itself. In the same way, we, or the body of Christ, are interdependent. We rely on each other. We can't do this alone. <coughs> Excuse me. We function as a member, even in our brokenness, living in this world. So as we look at Scripture, and certainly we see Paul, and he talks about counting the cost, and it's challenging to live this life, but serving Christ is not some, I've got it all worked out, and thus do things more effectively or do things better. God has the ability to redeem what has caused pain and given us scars. And that pain or those scars could be from choices you've made or from just living in the world or choices other people have made. God has given you gifts, though, to be fulfilled here in this local body. And he's calling you to invest those gifts for eternity. He's calling you to use your story of redemption that he's worked out in you, that he's currently working in you to show his faithfulness. There are different ministries that you can be a part of here, whether it's you know, setting and breaking this down on, on Sundays, whether it's um, being a part of Running Sound or, or the ministries, we have kids' ministries, youth ministries, whether it's serving your neighbors in so many different capacities, God has gifted you and called you to be a part of this. It takes a whole body to function. As I close, I just want to share one more image with you. We live in a very disposable society. Things don't work, they don't look good, just toss them. That's what most of I me, mean, that's what we do. The body of Christ, the community of Christ, is not a disposable community. So I've got this pair of shears that's in my, in my garage. They're pretty old. You know, at, at look, if you were to pick them up, they're, you know, they've got some rust on them. Um, 
they're not super squeaky right now. I don't want to cut my nose off. <laughs> they're not super squeaky, but they're rusty. They're pretty dull. Some might say they're broken because they're not shiny. They're not new. But I know that this is a solid set of shears. I know they can be oiled. I know they can be sharpened. And they're going to work, work much better than a cheap set of shears that I can get somewhere else. And so what I do is I get out my WD-40 if they're squeaking and I put a little WD-40 on there. I get out the file or my drill with the little the, the sharpening stone on it and I sharpen up the, the blade a little. Because I, wanna, I want them to be used in the intent that they were designed to be used. In the same way, God sees you and he sees me. A rusty set of shears. He says, I created you for something good. I'm going to redeem the rust. I'm going to redeem the dullness. Let me bring some people around you to comfort you and soften your heart. Let me bring somebody to challenge and encourage you to trust in me in the hurt and the pain of sharpening. I'm not going to remove the rust. Someday it's going to be gone. Someday you're going to have a new body. But for now, for today, it reminds us of our need for others. It reminds us of our need for him. So no, you may not look pretty and shiny, like my shears don't look pretty and shiny anymore. But in spite of your scars, in spite of your brokenness, God loves you, has a plan for you, and has the power to redeem the rust and the scars. So have compassion for one another. Love one another. Point each other and those around you to Jesus. That is what it means to be a part of a community. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you we thank you that you are a God of redemption and love. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you've brought us together as a community. We love you, Lord. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning that is hurting Lord, that is isolated. Lord, that you would bring people around him or her. That they would, that, that person would just say, hey, I want to be a part of this community. Lord, we look for opportunities to connect through our community groups, through other ministries. Lord, not because we're perfect, but because you you are at the center of all we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen.